0: Welcome to the internet. Live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah, this is the Redline Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts, Kyle Holland and Alex Fielder. Today it's time for another history
1: episode. Hooray! This time we're headed to Portland, Oregon, the urbanist mecca of the Northwest. We'll talk past, present, future, all this after the news.
0: The Amtrak Cascades is finally running from Seattle to Vancouver again after over two years of canceled service due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Starting on September 26th, Amtrak will run one daily round trip between the two cities and two daily trips as soon as staffing allows. Although this is paltry service, it's certainly a good start towards improving service on the Northwest Corridor.
2: And aren't they eventually planning on increasing that to 12 trips a day in the long run?
0: Yeah, it'll be like 12 round trips along the whole of the thing. So that's like Eugene, Eugene, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, and all that lieth in between. Wow. So, Brilliant. Well, I guess one's a start. Yeah, one is a start. And, you know, they were already running, uh, Amtrak was, that is, bus service between Seattle and Vancouver. But, um, you know...
2: That ain't rail service.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Run trains. Train's good, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of America's most, like, used rail corridors in terms of, like, ridership. For Amtrak, at least. So, very good that they're, like, you know, actually running service. Yeah. Mm. Just saying. It's
2: crazy. That's not really Amtrak's thing, actually running service outside <laughs> That's of the funny. Northeast.
0: They're only allowed to run service on the Northeast corridor. Everywhere else must be once a day. Otherwise, you get shot.
2: Yeah. That's consistent with what I've observed in
3: reality.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, in other news, the delaying cost overrun ridden Honolulu Area Rapid Transit Project has finally begun trial operation of its trains nearly two years after the line was alert originally expected to open. When complete, it will be America's newest metro line, and the first to feature modern features like fully automated trains and platform screen doors. Ooh. Fully automated trains? Yeah.
2: Like the SkyTrain?
0: Like SkyTrain, like uh, the REM in Montreal, like... Yeah, all sorts of stuff. I mean, we've had automated systems before, but this is the first one that's going to run fully automated from its inception. So gotcha. that makes sense.
1: Yeah, is, yeah. Is that how they have platform screen doors working? because
0: You can you can have platform screen doors with uh, manually operated metro. It's just a little more complicated.
1: It's harder to stop on the same spot every time.
0: The exact same spot, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It can be a little difficult. So, Yeah. Um, it should be noted that this is only the first section, and although the first, the entire section was supposed to be opening two years ago, uh, the downtown section will not open until twenty thirty one. Oh my goodness, that's quite a delay. Like delight. I said, delay and cost that's over. Some 100. delays these are. Yeah, and uh, it's also you know going to cost twelve billion dollars instead of the estimated five billion dollars that it was <laughs> at the start. So, you know. It, it got bitten by the American cost snake, as I believe someone. <laughs> yeah, someone from China who's on Twitter called it the American cost snake that bites all American rail projects. Oh, so Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah,
1: that's not wrong.
0: Yeah. So, this has been The News. Trademark. Alright, so before we actually get into all of the good transit meat that there is to devour in Portland, <laughs> um, we need to sort of provide some context here. So, nestled in the shadow of Mount Hood, Portland is a city of around 650,000 people, making it the 26th largest city in America. The metro area as a whole contains about 2.5 million people, making it the second largest in the Pacific Northwest, and coincidentally the 25th largest in the country. That's
2: quite good. I that know. Seems right? balanced. Like that's that's
0: nothing compared to here, where we're like the like 90th or something, and then we have we're like the same size as their metro area. Like Salt Lake City is 200,000 people. Well, well,
2: until we make the, the city and county of Salt Lake. Yes. Like.
0: Yes. Um, no, but it's a much more compact city. Because geography? Because, well, sort of. It's it's, it's a very different sort of, I guess you would say, urban form compared to, like, the Salt Lake metropolitan area, right? There's, the center city plays a lot larger role in, like, terms of both size, economic life, jobs, all that. So, keep that in mind. And, yes, as Kyle said, the geography of Portland itself, very interesting because sort of downtown is sort of nestled between these like weird tall mountains and the Willamette River, and then it's all kind of flat to the east. But these mountains, they make it so that there can only be one freeway into downtown from the west. Ah, As opposed to 20. Congestion be like. The congestion in Portland freeways... Do go burr. I mean,
2: good on them for settling a habitable area.
0: <laughs> yes, unlike here, which is not a habitable area and should be abandoned immediately. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to die of arsenic poisoning. It's fine. Uh, yeah, and so, just as a general way of the land, like I said, downtown's nestled between the Willamette River, the Columbia River, and these mountains. To the east of that is most of Portland City proper, which is laid out in kind of a general American grid. I love the grid. We do love the grid. We do love the grid. Uh, Portland International Airport, which is like a pretty major airport. It's probably not as major as like Salt Lake City. Like Salt Lake City does 20 million air trips a year. Portland International does like 11 or 12 normally. That's
2: still really good. It's
0: It's still a big airport. And that's kind of between Portland proper, like the the east side of portland you would call it and the columbia river. So, yeah, keep all that in mind as we talk about things. And then across the river or the columbia river I should say is the other half of the portland metropolitan area, which is vancouver, washington, which is like 500,000 people in various municipalities. Budget Vancouver. <laughs> budget very much budget Vancouver if you've been to Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. Um <clears throat> It's muted now. Thank you. You should leave that in. Just, shame. It'd be, it'd Just to funny. shame you. Just to shame me. Yeah. You deserve it. Uh, okay, and then a couple fun facts about Portland. The metropolitan area, or at least the Oregon part, has the only directly elected regional government in the United States. It's called Metro. Uh, also, they have an urban growth boundary.
1: Uh, I've heard of that. I have yeah, heard of a, that. That's
0: a, They do. Yeah. And this is a big topic when talking about urbanism in Portland because, you know, There's a lot of people complaining that instead of suburbanification going on on the Oregon side of the river, it's all just moved to the Vancouver side in Washington and is just spreading out that direction instead, because Vancouver, unlike Portland, actually kind of a conservative city, or at least area.
2: So maybe we should adopt this growth boundary on a larger, more regional scale.
0: Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) No bad hiss. Just in your general awareness of the wonderful city of Portland, um, what are the things that it is nationally known for? Uh,
2: Liberals, protests,
0: and transit. And homeless. There you go. So, yes, Portland is very well known for being, I don't know, arguably the most, like, liberal city in the country very much. Uh, have you guys ever seen that TV show Portlandia? It's like a skit show. No, I haven't. Hilarious. You should watch it. It's hilarious. But it's like sort of exemplifies the sort of like ultra lib that is known for being a Portland resident. And then, yes, homelessness, big 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 problem. Like, only probably Los Angeles has a bigger issue with homelessness in general than Portland does. Just this being an effect of housing being incredibly expensive because people uh, want to live there. Um, Interesting. (laughs) And also
2: the thing where um, other regions ship homeless people
0: there? Hey, they used to do that. Now that's illegal because Boise got sued for doing it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Good laughs> Boise. You think I'm joking. I'm not. Boise literally got sued for doing this, and now cities aren't allowed to ship their homeless people to other wait, places wait. anymore.
1: Uh. <laughs> i would never heard of this before <laughs> Yes.
0: Uh, fun fact. Uh, this is a reason why a lot of cities in red states don't have that many homeless com- people compared to pe- or cities in blue states. Um they literally forced their homeless people to get on buses and sent them to the West Coast. When was this? Oh, for decades. Have you heard of this?
2: I have heard of this. Wow.
0: Yeah. So they'd, they'd literally, if you were homeless in like Jacksonville, Florida, they would give you a bus ticket and be like, have fun in Seattle. Wow. Great. So
1: it, it's kind of an inherited problem, but also just uh, like yeah, their own problem.
0: It was certainly exacerbated by that, yes. But also, you know... The housing. Housing expensive. And just like every other liberal American city, Portland has one thing that they really like to be regressive about, and that is housing policy. So uh, Yay. Yay. Actually, they're, they're a lot better than most liberal cities, but, you know, they're still not great. So, anyway, that's sort of the broader context of the region. Now we get to get into l'histoire, the history
1: Like uh, most American cities, the early transit history of Portland revolves around the streetcar. Yes, horse car service was first introduced in 1872 by the Portland Street Railway Company.:
0: Yeah, and this is the funny thing about Portland in terms of like their street railways. You know, street rail railways their whole big thing was that they loved to be balkanized and fight wars against one another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that even happened here. Oh, that happened yeah. here. Uh in Portland there were like fifteen at one point. Some of the laying down track and taking it up the then they say they're, they're fighting each
1: other yeah harder. yes
0: very much so oh. good old-fashioned capitalism capitalism be like free market <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should bring that back i want i want to should bring that i back. want 14 competing streetcar companies in salt lake city i want people to compete to build bike lanes or them <laughs> yeah. like our bike lane toll is 0.1 cent ours is 0.01 cents I'm taking that bike lane instead. Jeez, that sounds so... (sighs) It does sound fun,
2: right? Just like... I mean, if that was possible, like if it was legal to go just like go paint your own bike lane, there would be so many groups and companies who would have already done that.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. And here's an idea, a cursed idea I've just come up with inside my head. So... Twitter handles. You know how companies these days love to do like weird stuff on their Twitter and make like be like quirky? Yep. Yeah, imagine all the Twitter beef between the 14 separate street railway companies of Salt Lake City.
3: Oh boy. Just like
0: the Wasatch Front Traction and Power Company is so not pog, OMG. <laughs> Posted by the South Salt Lake and Murray Mill Creek Railway Company. Uh, it would be funny, you know. Uh, be that, funny. that would
2: be a universe to live in.
0: Yes, it would. Oh the, the best possible timeline. I concur, <laughs> I concur. So uh, horse and steam-powered streetcars continued to expand throughout the region and eventually crossed the Willamette River to serve... Through the magic of bridges. Through the magic of bridges. Uh, I believe that the company that did that was called the Willamette Bridge Railway Company. (laughs) Did not see that one coming. (laughs) I I love
1: the creative names here.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, And then they were serving the, at the time, independent city of East Portland. Ooh. Yeah, it's like oh, this south, is
2: back in the day before they had enough like bridges to merge them into
0: one. Yeah, today Portland's very much a city of bridges, but like back then, not so much. Bridges were hard to build back then. The Willamette and Columbia are big, big rivers. Yeah, yeah. So they actually have water in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Jordan River Shade Throne. <laughs>
2: We build bigger bridges over railroad (laughs) tracks than we do over rivers.
0: Oh, man. Some of those bridges over the Jordan River there are just so ridiculously over-engineered for the size of that river. Like, you could put that thing in a culvert. Uh, (laughs) Some of them are also just scary to cross.
2: Uh, Uh, That's true. Connor, the bridge on the Jordan River Trail that goes over the freight tracks is way bigger and way more thoroughly engineered than any of the ones over the actual river. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> <laughs> and across the Great Salt Lake, we just put a big pile of dirt.
0: Well, I mean, it has tracks on it. Well, oh, yeah. The, uh, the, big, the big pile of dirt has tracks yeah, on it.
2: The, yeah, the, the causeway. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: it's bleached. Causeway oh, bad. Eh. And, yeah. and we should probably replace it with a normal bridge, but well, that's It just doesn't me. get used. Well, it should. I mean, you got that flat of a, th- or straight of a thing, it's perfect for high-speed rail of some sort, or yeah. something. Just saying. Yeah, but...
2: Just get it up to 88 yeah. miles an hour, and you're set. 88
0: miles an hour? That is not high-speed rail, except in America. I mean, it moves you
2: <laughs> through time quickly.
0: Oh, Ha ha, you're funny. Take you back to the streetcar days. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why frontrunner's
2: limited to 79. They don't want to risk it getting close <laughs> to 88. Isn't it 79.9? <laughs> I think it's just
0: 79. No, it's 79. We okay. don't have the .9s okay. on the speedometers. <laughs> and it starts making this really annoying beeping noise when you get close to it because PTC are. is a thing.
2: Oh. Aren't you supposed to cruise at 79? No,
0: you're supposed to cruise at like 77. Why? I don't Do the know. Things not have to I control. am not. I don't know. Anyway, back on topic. Uh, so after all these like steam-powered and horse-powered streetcars were built out, uh, the first electric streetcars in Portland were introduced in 1890, and they eventually and relatively quickly, actually, like this wasn't like you know, oh, over the course of 20 years we're gonna replace all of our horse cars with electric streetcars. No, by it was like,
2: 2050 we're gonna have two electric streetcar lines installed.
0: Yeah, it was it was like three years, and they electrified all the streetcar lines. Dang, demand and seventeen railways. I know. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of sort of electric, I guess what you would call the precursors to light rail, Portland. Actually a pioneer, both in modern light rail and in olden days light rail, because the first electric interurban line in the United States opened in 1893, running between Portland proper and Oregon City, which is located about 16 miles to the south. Wow. So, you know, they did, like, the first interurban line and then, like, the third light rail line in America, so... Cool. Pioneers in rail transit, trademark. And they
2: even put in a cable car.
3: Mm.
0: They did. There was actually a very short cable car system in Portland, which ran along Fifth Avenue. I Uh, take it that's the steepest street? I don't think so. I think it was just a normal street. And they just decided (laughs) that they were going to use that instead of normal I mean, car. like,
2: 15 streetcar companies and one cable car company seems like a good balance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, they weren't very long for the world. They were put in in 1890, the same year as the first electric streetcar. And, surprise, surprise, were replaced by standard streetcars in 96. 1896, that is. Not, not <laughs> 1996. <laughs> <Could you imagine? laughs> uh, San Francisco, be like. So, uh, fortunately... They decided that maybe having 15 streetcar companies was not a good idea, and...
2: Now that they would like, built out a strong network and it was all electric.
0: Yeah, so throughout this period, the various streetcar companies started to consolidate and eventually forming what would become the largest of them all, the Portland Railway Light and Power Company, which was founded in 1906.
1: I, I always love how the railways are also light and power.
0: Well, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Because as we're electrifying the country, you have to start running electricity down all these random streets. And so you might as well use that infrastructure investment to also make other money through the power of an electric streetcar. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the the point being, if it was the year, like, 1890-something, I would be a streetcar tycoon.
3: Yes, you would. (laughs) I would make so
0: much money from streetcars.
2: Back in the day when one did not do urban planning, one just got digging.
0: Uh, Also, around this time, and this is 1910 we're talking about now... Uh Oregon became the first ever state to pay for roads with a gas tax. They were kind of the first to embrace automobiles and it was because of this whole movement they had called the Good Roads Movement, understandably. Uh yeah, <laughs> well named again. <laughs> yes, uh, no. I, would, I would actually prefer the Bad Roads Movement no. where we make gravel
2: roads that don't go anywhere.
0: What's wrong with regu- what's wrong with good roads, Kyle? Don't you want the automobile to have easy access to your center city? Then you would not want to walk anywhere? Yeah, walking and get bad. Hit by cars. Yeah. Mm. Um, sort of as a result of this, uh, streetcars increasingly came into conflict with private automobiles because
2: they were both on the street.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> who at, was the same, first, at the same time. Who was there hey, first? Was there first? Hey, hey. Yeah, hey. yeah.
0: There was the streetcar was there first. Streetcar shot first. R E T V R N. Return. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seniority. Yeah, seniority rules.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey. Uh,
0: and unfortunately, cutbacks started to occur. Uh, with various operating companies becoming increasingly financially unstable due to competition with cars. And this
2: doesn't mean, like, competition with cars on, like, travel time and cost. This means, like, physical competition on the actual street between vehicles.
0: Yeah, like, there would be streetcars, like, ding, 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 and there's this car just sitting there going, like, four miles an hour because it's 18, or it's
3: 1918.
0: And it goes, a ga guy. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, woog. <laughs> uh,
2: so, so understandably, the the cars being the maneuverable smog producing machines they are, were able to outfight yeah. the, the streetcars <laughs> that were not able to move around the car. I
0: mean, in a fair fight, like running head on, the streetcar is going to win, but it's not a fair fight because the car isn't on tracks. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
2: they're not supposed to ram into the car. And then
0: uh, tell that to the S line. <laughs> it's like four cars in the last month. It's a recurring problem. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, streetcar ridership nationwide would peak in 1923 with 14.8 billion annual trips. Whew. And around this time in Portland, there were uh, like 70 million annual trips on the streetcar network comes pretty close to rivaling pre-pandemic TriMet, so nice think Jeez. about that and there may be like 500 six hundred thousand people in the metro area then versus now where there's two and a half million so all right, right. big big <laughs> impressive much wow uh unfortunately though because cars once again ridership right. continued on a downward spiral from this point declining until the beginning of world war ii And increasingly around this time, streetcar and interurban lines were being replaced with trolley buses and regular buses.
2: Which are more compatible with car-oriented infrastructure.
0: That they are. Uh, Portland actually had a pretty substantial trolley bus network on the east side during this period, uh, but of course that was all torn out, so... Of course. Yeah, there are no trolley buses in Portland today. Rest in peace. Yeah. We should bring them back. They should be on the two division is what they should be on. That's gonna be the FX the two division FX pretty soon. But anyway.
3: Um
0: we'll get into that later. Well you see in a lot of cities, unlike here, like you don't just have like Bus Route Two, you have two division. You have like the street name or a destination name. Like in San Francisco, for example, streetcar lines aren't just called the J line; it's the J Church or the N Judah. So that's actually pretty common. (laughs) Interesting. I I, I like our names. Well, I guess ours only makes sense because of our. We don't have street names. Oh yeah, that is (laughs) true. (laughs) Most like fun fact: most places don't only name their streets numbers. That's weird. (laughs) So and Grand Junction. I mean, and we kind of do do that though. Like, the uh, if you look on UTA-like material, it's the two second 200 South or whatever yeah. is often a thing. So, you know, we kind of do that, but it doesn't make as much sense because our roads don't have names.
2: So we just incorporate the road number into the bus
0: number. Yeah.
3: yeah
0: I, don't, I, I think it's effective. I yeah, like well, it. it works yeah. fine. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with either way, but I, I just... That's an interesting little difference between UTA buses and buses in a lot of other the places. The three should be called the negative three. <laughs> the three isn't going to exist in a week so sadly, yeah the they three, should have kept the three it raised frequency and renamed it to the negative three or t- <laughs> well, you could just keep it the three because there's never going to be a bus on third south no there's not <laughs> I've seen
2: a bus try to turn on the third south of all well, the parked cars it's, too it's really hard to maneuver yeah. mm-hmm. well, and
1: this all the new medians are too
2: well yeah. it would be a non-issue if it wasn't a parking lot but it is a parking lot so. yeah, yeah
0: unfortunately
2: unfortunately Fortunately, because parked cars slow down moving cars.
0: This is true. I know. So, World War II would provide a temporary reprieve for transit in Portland and, indeed, the entire country. Because where trans- we needed all the materials for the war. Yeah, and funnily enough, transit ridership actually reached its all-time peak there, like, to this day in 1944.
1: Well, and people were actually willing to give stuff up.
0: I know, and, yeah. like, you know... Gotta fight them darned fascists in Europe and or yeah. Japan. So yeah. <laughs> can't be driving. If you drive alone, you drive with Hitler is like the slogan they used. <laughs> well, because, um, because they enough. need all the rubber and the gas and all well, And steel. steel and <laughs> tanks tanks take a lot more gasoline than cars and we yeah. had a lot of tanks. So and airplanes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Get this, kids. If you drive alone, you drive with Putin. Russian oil be like Russian oil do be like (laughs) Hmm. so in 1943 which is just before that well known jerk Robert Moses was brought in to determine the future urban form of Portland needless to say freeway expansion was coming I like that well known jerk (laughs) (laughs) I, I was going to say something meaner, but I figured I, I should probably keep it PG. I honestly think that's mean enough. <laughs> yeah. I think that gets the point across better <laughs> than any other
2: word you could have said. I,
1: the occur. fact
0: that he is well-known for being just a complete <laughs> piece of garbage. Yeah, exactly. Th- this,
2: is, this is a fact. Like, we have had much time to study this.
0: Yes.
1: Well, If, uh, I, if I got called a well-known jerk, I'd be devastated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Robert uh, Moses spinning <laughs> his screen and generating he's green He's like,
0: electricity. I'm not a well-known jerk. Don't call me that. <laughs>
2: Part three, Portland gets paved, the post-war period.
0: That This is indeed true. Um, also, if you would like to learn more about uh, the exploits of Robert Moses, you should... A, listen to episode one of the Red Line podcast, entitled How the Car Destroyed America Slash the American City, and also, Well, There's Your Problem podcast, episode 108, The West Side Elevated Highway. (laughs) Both of those things showcase the beautiful handiwork of Robert Moses. Ah, yes. Bask in the glory of the (laughs) urban freeway. Mm. So, as Kyle Hath said... In the post-war period, uh, freeway expansion would like really reign supreme in Portland, uh, and there was basically non-stop construction of freeways between 1958 and 1983.
2: Freeways, obviously, being the future, and getting that glorious nine to one federal match on state spending.
0: Yes, indeed. Nine to one. Nine to yes. one. Nine yeah, to that's one. what that's what Eisenhower did. Yeah. State
2: government one dollar, Eisenhower nine dollars. Whoa. With very little input from the local areas, so the state just got paving on free money.
1: Could you imagine if Eisenhower did not go on the
0: cross-country trip? Yeah, right? <laughs> I know, right? He should, he should simply have stayed home, <laughs> is my take on yeah. on, on Eisenhower. Well, undeniably, the rural
2: interstates are good. Oh, there, there's
1: useful. nothing wrong with the interstate yeah, the rural interstates. In, the interstate <laughs> interstates,
2: the rural ones are great. It's yeah. when you start plowing them through <laughs> urbanized areas that everything For goes example, dark garbage.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go on Google Maps and just look at Portland. Uh, there is much freeway. Even like in downtown, there is just like this ring of freeway surrounding the entire downtown. Like the waterfront on the Willamette River from downtown Portland used to have a freeway on it. doesn't anymore, but the other side still does. So they actually
2: did a real-life freeway removal?
0: Yeah, it was a little less involved than normal freeway removals because it was more like... uh, Are you familiar with JFK Drive in New York? No. Okay, well, for those of you who are familiar, it was... (laughs) It was more like that than like, you know, traditional urban freeway, kind of like a really big surface highway.
2: Yeah. So what about for those of us unfamiliar?
0: It's a really <laughs> big surface highway. Oh, wait. Oh, so it the way It used to be the okay. whole way. On the, of that? So, so it that? So like, on, the, on the west side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it used it, to be this whole thing and it would go okay. all the way up Naito.
2: And now it, they've got like this really wide linear park and also just like a surface
0: parkway for yeah. cars.
1: Wait, so... Inclu- well, not actually, park, not or... a really
0: a parkway for cars. It's actually kind of a bike parkway if you look ah. closely at it. Oh, they have that right next to There's the real big bike. Oh, lanes. whoa! Oh. Actually, for
1: two-way
2: traffic.
0: Yeah, that's. <laughs> but if you look on the other side of the net, nice. freeway.
2: Ah, uh, yes, I car, <laughs> and much spaghetti because there are so many legitimate reasons to bring this into city center. Yes, of course. And they've got the whole ring going around, obviously, and then yeah. it goes out in like all seven directions.
0: Yeah. Right. And uh, actually the same year that like the freeway construction proper started, uh, the last streetcars ran. and so buses buses be gone. But there was a save our streetcars movement that was unsuccessful unsurprisingly.
2: Yeah. Not much you can do against a 9-to-1 federal match.
0: Yeah, really. There's no, there's no way to compete. So 9-to-1 <clears throat> federal match on transit <clears throat> spending. <clears throat> be like, yeah. So, Robert Moses' vision of uh, what Portland should look like, which is many freeways, uh, was kind of realized to be honest with you. Like, there are a lot of freeways, but there is one freeway that was never built and that is the Mount Hood Freeway. And do you know why the Mount Hood Freeway was not built? Why was the Mount Hood Freeway not built, Connor? Because everyone was mad about it and nobody wanted it. And so the city actually listened, and instead of plowing a massive freeway through people's houses and communities and streets and churches and other assorted objects, uh, they did not do that. Good. That's crazy.
2: (laughs) They actually listened. For one time out of hundreds.
0: Well, and this may have been influenced by the fact that, I mean, let's, again, think back to the geography of Portland. There is only one east-west freeway connection through the mountains. So traffic congestion, despite all this massive construction of freeways all over the place, bad. It's always been bad. It's always going to be bad. And it wasn't getting any better, despite the fact that they're spending bazillions and gazillions of dollars on new freeways all the time. Surprisingly, I know. Yeah, I'm shocked. It's shocking. Absolutely (laughs) aghast. This sort of is the naissance, or the renaissance, I guess you would say, of sort of transit-oriented thinking in Portland, because all these civic leaders are seeing, like, oh, everybody's mad because we don't want to build this new Mount Hood freeway, which is nowhere near Mount Hood or anything. Robert Moses just called it that because reasons... He was a genius and did everything right. He was a genius of science, yes. Ah, yes. But yeah, all these civic leaders and stuff are like, oh crap, everyone's real mad about these freeways and we still have this terrible congestion all the time and this and that and it's costing us a lot of money. And so everyone's like, whoa, there's got to be a better way. Really, I wonder what that could be. It can't be public transit, can it? no, 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 no. Couldn't be that. Um, So, yeah, it kind of paved the way for the mindset of a lot of civic leaders. Get it? Paved the way? Yeah, I know. Funny, right? (laughs) (laughs) Ha. For civic leaders and regional leaders to have the mindset they have today, which is kind of a very urbanist, very transit-oriented mindset in general. Like, even in the suburbs of Portland, there is a much more, I guess you would just say urbanist mindset than there is in your average suburb, on the part of leadership, at least.
2: Because they got this in with, like, the early opposition to freeways. Yeah. Well, it's
0: not that it was an early opposition to freeways. It was the same time as everybody else. It's just that they were succeeded. As opposed to Which is
2: uncommon. As opposed to, say, Salt Lake Valley, for example, everywhere else, where such opposition has long since fizzled out. We just ate up the freeways.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is for a future part of the episode, but, like... This movement that killed the Mount Hood Freeway and got the, um, whatever the one that was along the Willamette on the downtown side was called, got that removed, got the Mount Hood Freeway killed, is still around. Good. And it's still fighting, actually, because they're doing an expansion on the I-5 bridge across the Columbia. So, like... Because car. that
2: would that would unilaterally <laughs> solve all congestion.
3: Obviously, every
2: problem. We've only done it like fourteen times. This is like UDOT's latest projects, where they spend circa three hundred and fifty million dollars adding one additional lane in one direction to one part
0: of I fifteen. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, no I eighty. I fifteen. I fifteen. They're
2: expanding I eighty
0: two. Yeah. Great. And building a new freeway in Davis County. Yes. In the, and a new freeway in Salt Lake County. It's great. You know, of
2: all state highway departments, I've got to say UDOT is relatively good at paving their way out <laughs> of congestion.
0: Well, that's just because they did it because there's like one freeway lane mile per person. <laughs> it's <'cause they're> Precisely. <laughs> like a lot of other
2: areas have like geographic constraints. And so do
0: we. Point of the Mountain and uh, whatever the North thing is called. I mean, we do have those. But within,
2: like, the downtown area and the main valley, we don't, like, at all.
0: Well, the main reason that it's worked thus far is because they pave so quickly that population growth has not yet had the chance to... I know, right? Like,
2: normally, the State Highway Department outpaces population growth by, like, a little bit, a few tens of percent margin. (laughs) And then congestion goes up anyways. But UDOT...
0: UDOT go burr. $2 billion
2: a year budget go burr.
0: Yeah, so there is like, what, $2,000 per person in Salt Lake County. Wait, doesn't
1: that mean public transit could technically have the $2 billion?
0: Yes.
2: And we could have... This is just like UDOT's budget that they spend. That's their cap. Pretty much entirely just building things. But now they could just build rail because they're in charge of it. No, they can't. Well, they could. In five, ten years, maybe. Yeah. Well, they could. (laughs) Or they could spend hundreds of millions of dollars on projects that add, like, tens of percent more capacity to existing freeways.
3: Yes! Yes!
2: Which obviously (laughs) unilaterally solves congestion. Let's go! This is actually a freeway podcast. (laughs) This is
0: a freeway. This is a pro freeway podcast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We've been keeping it undercover for 14 episodes. Yes. We've
0: been laughing behind the scenes about how much we hate public transportation. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait. It's going to get us canceled.
2: I can't <laughs> wait for, like, the Costco I go to to get paved over in the name of official oh, transportation. That's not
0: the Costco you're going to. That's well, the other if,
2: Costco. Well, if we're going to keep up with this pace, they so will pave over this one, The too. largest
0: oh. Costco in the world. Yeah. In Salt Lake City. Fun fact. Once well, yeah. we have the um, 17th yeah.
2: South Freeway to complement the 13th South Freeway. Wait, are we having and,
0: a 17th South Freeway? And the expansion
2: of the 24th South Freeway <laughs> east... Parallel to I-80? Yeah.
0: Thirteenth
2: uh, feast freeway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, we already have that. It's called Seventh East. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, getting back on topic. Um. Wow, we are we are very tangenty today, aren't we? This is this the is point to a, a podcast. Content counter. be like. Anyways, freeway bad. Yeah, freeway bad. And, yeah, Portland has a very developed anti-freeway movement. Good. Any who's will be. By the twilight days of the era of freeway expansion, so we're talking about late 70s at this point, Rose City Lines, which was sort of the main company that had taken over the remains of the transit thing. It's cool that
2: they had a company that survived all the way through the entire thing.
0: Yes, uh, it was like from the death of the streetcars to the death of privately owned public transit was Rose City Lines. And so they're barely surviving at this point, right? Like they've dropped to like... 10 million riders a year, which is not a zitch, zilch, nothing at all. And they're, like, almost bankrupt. They're talking about doing a big old fare hike or just stopping. Yeah, yeah. And so the city of Portland created, and this is a mouthful because it's a government agency, the Tri-County Metropolitan Transportation District of Oregon, which is more commonly known, very sensibly if you ask me, (laughs) as TriMet. In 1969. It was the fall of 69, 69. It was October, actually.
3: So <laughs> that, is, that is in fall. Yeah. yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. So
0: it was the fall of, fall of 69. <laughs> <laughs> it was two months between the creation of the agency and when Rose City Lines was like, here you go, and just gave everything they had to try Met. Reasonable, because they have no money. Because they had no money. So they they're just like, crap. We got to operate service. So there was a short strike. There was some other drama over their thing. But then they got things up and running and they started buying out some other, you know, regional service providers, mostly like commuter service providers that they were buying out and improving service, actually. And Whoa,
2: is that legal? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is simply not legal. You know, that's what I thought. Yeah. UTA's August change day
0: Yeah, actually just destroying service for most people Anywho Wow Um, Yeah, moving on, we'll talk about
2: that later We will talk about that later Yes After reading all those public comments, uh, I'm increasingly salty and less optimistic Especially
0: about the 3 and the 6 And the 209 Yeah, that's unfortunate as well But that's that's a little less bad than other things Because people are assuming they can't just take a transfer to the 2
2: Well, you can, but it's objectively worse than your bus just turning
0: Sure, but not that much worse.
2: (laughs) But there's no reason it should be worse. You can also
0: transfer to the one.
2: That is true. The one.
0: (laughs) And the four and the red line and eventually the orange line. I don't think, I think people Mm. are making a mountain out of the molehill on that one in particular. But on the three and the, the three, the six, the 519, the 520 should probably be staying around, (laughs) in my opinion. Anyway.
2: Imagine if they added new routes and improved service while also keeping the old routes.
0: What a concept. (gasps)
2: What a concept. They could have added the one and also kept the 519 and the 520.
3: They
0: could have done that. That would have actually been great for everybody involved. No. Bad. Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I've been owned. My name is the Utah Transit Authority Board of Supervisors. And I love neglecting all of my riders.
2: Even (laughs) University of Utah commuters who have been traditionally pampered fast
0: buses be gone the six be gone the six do be gone and the three anyway <sighs> on topic um wrong city trimet continued to improve service throughout the next decade implementing route numbers wow Whoa. like th- this was a new <laughs> thing for them like previously it wasn't the two division it was just division it was the division street bus or whatever so this this was a big deal Kay. uh Bus shelters. (laughs) (laughs) High tech. High tech. I know. High tech. New things. Uh, They got a new board structure. They implemented a fairless square in downtown Portland. Good. Nice. Which does not exist anymore because uh, to save money in like the 90s or something, they cut it. But anyway, it was good while it lasted. And then in 1977, the downtown transit mall, which now carries the orange and yellow line max trains and the green line, was invented and wow. created. And it became a thing. And it was a, it was a couple of monodirectional streets just for buses. It was very nice. It was sort of part of the project that downtown Portland was doing at the time to like de-parking itself. They did that in the <laughs> 70s? The main reason that Portland is sort of the urbanist mecca of North America is, they've been doing is that it, it started the doing the things that everyone is trying to do now 20 years earlier than everyone else started trying to do them. That is true. Yeah. And really good. Yeah. Like, really good. Good for them. Yeah. So that's why downtown Portland's so cool. Like, if you're driving through, like, for any reason, go park at a max stop for a couple hours and just go walk around because it's really Really, just a pleasant place to be, even with some of the issues that it has at the moment. <laughs> anyway, there were some troubles in the late seventies and early eighties, uh, money and stuff, mm. because they they use a payroll tax instead of a sales tax. Strange, okay. because they are liberal. Oh, because right, because sales, sales tax, tax regressive. is regressive. Mm-hmm. Payroll tax opposite of regressive. Payroll tax is not regressive. So uh, when there were a couple, you know, there was a recession in the early 80s. And so they had to cut service. And recessions impact payroll taxes a lot more than they impact sales taxes because unemployment. So anyway, that's a whole thing. But they got over that. And it was about to be TriMet's time to really shine like on a world and on a national stage because Because. the max was here to come. And they did a much better job of coming up with an acronym than we did, if you ask me. Like, that sounds cooler. Maximum train. Like, max. So after nearly, like, a decade of planning and, like, I don't know, like, 30 years of people being like, hey, maybe we should do a train. um, They did a train. They did a train. 20 years earlier
2: than everybody else
0: actually they are the third north american light rail system i think ah, san okay. diego beat them out right and right. Um, calgary if i'm not mistaken don't take my word for that people but it was at least two cities beat them out but they okay. were one of very the first early very early very early adopter of light rail yes and probably the most prolific of doctor to this day yeah so Ooh, they get credit right for now. that um Fun fact about the Metropolitan Area Express as it is officially titled, which is like really a good just acronym in general like it gets what it's meant to say like it is the Metropolitan Area of Portland Express. Yeah. And it's the thing you can say. On Versus like, like or or like tracks stands for transit something express or something. It's just a dumb wordplay. Yeah, it's it's not as it's not as good. But anyway, I like MAX better than than tracks or dart or whatever else you want to. bart well bart uh, i think i gotta say i like bart better than, yeah. than max but that's just cuz you know it's a proper metro instead of a well and it's y the route. bay area and it is the and bay, area. It's the rapid bay area, area rapid transit <laughs> well, very stuff very building max
2: is rapidly turning into a
0: metro yeah well, we're going to talk about that yeah, So in 1986, the MAX opened, running from Gresham, which is the like furthest east suburb of Portland, to downtown, and it was an immediate success. Like Good. smash, crash, ridership uh, projections more like weak and dumb because <laughs> it smashed those suckers. Uh, let me see if I can find the numbers for that. I know I have them here somewhere in the internet. I do. I do.
2: Drink water. Water brig. Cheers. Let's see.
0: <sighs> I can talk for hours now. Really? Nothing? We will skip that. But it exceeded like pretty much every other light rail line at the time. It's ridership expectations by a relatively significant margin. Uh, and it was popular enough that, you know, other suburbs of Portland started being like, hey, we want our own MAX." And, and so then they got it. They did get it uh, after about a decade, another decade of planning. Communities on the west side of the Willamette River, so to the west of downtown Portland, passed a ballot measure to pay for the construction of what at the time was called the West Side MAX, very creatively. Very. Um, in 1990, and it was completed in 1998 running from downtown Portland to Hillsboro, which is, you know, the second furthest west suburb of Portland.
2: Nice. Portland being all cool and stuff with their ballot measures.
0: Yeah. And so uh, this completed the current 33-mile alignment of the Blue Line. Nice which Sweet. is quite long 33
2: miles
1: for a
0: light rail line that's it's good. quite long this is America everything only, is only really long Texas and like Los Angeles the, has longer light rail lines oh and Seattle's gonna have like a 60 mile light rail line oh, in the near future good but yes. <laughs> that's, the link that's bad it should be You're a linking the link. I the, link the, the link I love yeah. the link I love the link yeah. Oh, reasonable. So, yeah, it's 33 miles long. It takes about an hour, 40 minutes to get across the whole thing, mostly because of downtown. It should be closer to an hour and 10 minutes when they get done with the project that we will be talking about. The project. The
1: project. Oh, I have a feeling it's similar to what they did in Seattle. Right? Shh. Shh. It is. It's just foreshadowing. Shh. Well, I don't know for sure. That's speculation
0: that on my part. That is speculation. <laughs> So, yes, uh, soon after this, the airport and interstate maxes, maxes, max, max, maxi, maxi. Well, anyway, the the airport max (laughs) and the interstate max were soon to follow. They were trying to take what is now the yellow line and was called the interstate max at the time to Vancouver, Washington, Ooh. because, you know, there do be commuters coming across the Columbia River. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, but then Vancouver being somewhat more conservative than Portland and its surrounding suburbs, uh, they rejected the ballot measure to pay for their part of the funding for that. Great. So it now terminates at Portland Expo Center just <laughs> on the south side of the Columbia River and is still primed for expansion north. Which is Eventually. another thing we're going to be talking about because that is becoming a thing, probably. Uh, and then also the Airport Max. So the Airport Max is now the Red Line, and that was open to the airport, unsurprisingly, really? in 2000. 2000- <laughs> <laughs> I know Alex has ridden the Airport I've Max. I've ridden it twice. Yes, you have. Yeah, nice. Uh, that was open in 2001, the same time as our Red Line actually, coincidentally, was first opened, the University Line. And then the Interstate Max, which is now the yellow line, which runs along Interstate Avenue and not the Interstate, funnily enough. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, good, good improvement. I, I was going to say, Rayway I felt suck
1: airport max ran along the freeway. The I airport thought, the airport yeah, max runs along the freeway. The,
0: the interstate okay. max runs along interstate avenue which is a few blocks from a, a different freeway. Wow. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> just cool. Just to make it simple. Just to, just make, to it make it confusing. Yes. Uh, and then also opening around the same time was the original stretch of the Portland streetcar. Ooh. Yes. Right. So, the, like, the aughts was a big time for uh, rail transit in Portland. Let's just say that. Uh, and it ran from Portland State to downtown, and it's nice. very pog, and was very pog. And it's continues I love a to be very pog. Good streetcar. We do love a good streetcar, and one of the few good streetcars. Uh, so, a flurry of further expansions followed in the aughts and teens, with the Green Line opening in 'o nine, the Orange Line in 2015, and the streetcar being continuously expanded during that time. It, it's a big boy. Oh, and then also, they did a commuter rail already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also in 2009, uh, it's not very good, but it does connect Toulaton and other more southernly communities to Beaverton Transit Center, where you do a linear transfer to the Max Red or Blue Line. Well, mm-hmm. uh, at least I have good Amtrak. They do have good Amtrak
2: service. Got on the oh. very true. Don't they have like an actual Amtrak station? <gasps> they do.
1: I'm
0: gonna. Portland I'm Union. gonna
1: include my pictures uh, from Portland, my train yeah. to Portland. Portland Union. Good idea. The, yeah, yeah. I love
0: is that station. Very nice. Yeah. Okay, and then um, since you know TriMet does not operate in Clark County, which is the Washington part, the Vancouver part of the metropolitan area. Uh, it should also be noted that CTRAN, which is what the Clark County Transit Authority is called, has <laughs> also done things there. Great. They have a sort of BRT line called the Vine, Whoa, because okay. federal funding requirements for BRT require that you call it something weird. <laughs> um, and that was opened in 2017. So that's the latest sort of, quote, rapid, unquote, transit in Portland. It also does not go across the river. Uh, <laughs> wow. There is still no high-capacity transit across the Columbia River. Rude. Thank you, Vancouver, Washington. You could have had this 20 years ago. Rude. <laughs> no. But anywho, commuter buses are sort of more of a thing in Portland than they can be in other places because geography. So those are also a big deal that you should be aware of. Okay. Cool. But yes, that sort of gets us to... Part four or five or Whatever. Whatever transit in portland today
2: first off the good good things yeah there's uh 44 miles of high
0: quality light rail with good ridership per mile this is true okay and let's sort of i want to nerd out over the max for a little bit because it is very much a light rail system let's start with the yellow line because that's the easiest one right so it's pretty short it's about five six miles and it runs along interstate avenue from the Portland Expo Center, which is on the banks of the Columbia River, to downtown Portland via the transit mall. And that one, almost exclusively in a street alignment. Okay. Very much a tram line. And what's weird about the orange and yellow lines in Portland is that they through run into each other. So if you are on a northbound orange line train into downtown, when it gets out of downtown to the north, it becomes a yellow line max train. So it's basically just one long line? That is correct. There are actually only uh, four max lines. (laughs) That
2: seems kind of confusing, but cool.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's all branding. It doesn't matter too much. If it takes you
2: where you need to go, I guess. Yes. So I guess that leads us into the orange line?
0: Yes, the orange line is the other type of light rail line that you get in Portland and is almost exclusively not in a road alignment, except downtown. All right, and it crosses over Portland's, like, grand centerpiece of their newest transit expansion bridge, Tillicum Crossing, which it shares with the uh, A-loop and B-loop of the Portland streetcar. Cool. Yeah, so it runs from downtown to Milwaukee Town Center, which is a dead mall, so... Oh, the, okay. There you go, okay. uh, and it's eventually going to go to Oregon City, which is like the furthest south suburb of Portland. Cool. Surprisingly, I know. Who
2: names these
0: things? What do you mean? Oregon City. What? Port? The guy who lived there. Portland. Mr.
2: Oregon City.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Oregon City named it. <laughs> so that brings us what? to the Green Line, which is kind of wacky in its own right. Because all these di- all the MAX lines are kind of unique in their own little ways, so the green line probably has the most like freeway alignment of any MAX line. Is this the one that goes to the airport? It is not red line. Uh, so it runs from Sunnyside, which is a southeast suburb of Portland, up to like the, what's the interchange station? It's a big important interchange station. It is called the Gateway Northeast 99th Avenue Transit Center MAX Station. And that's where it, it, the blue line, and the red line meet. And it runs along, uh, let's see, what freeway is this? (laughs) There's too many freeways for me to count, people. Gross. Uh, The War Veterans Memorial Freeway.
2: Not to be confused with the regular Veterans Memorial (laughs) (laughs) Highway, which is in Utah.
0: Yes, that's right. Or the Veterans Memorial Parkway, which is in Boise. And is a freeway, effectively. (laughs) Uh, so that it,
2: just, <laughs> that yeah. that got And confusing. Portland's freeway alignments, don't they run like next to the freeway instead of in the median?
0: They do. They run next to the freeway.
2: See, that seems like a lot better f- to me for like local transit because yes. then you're not stuck in the middle of the freeway.
0: I agree yeah. completely. That's um, probably
2: the worst place to be stuck in the history of all time.
1: Yeah. Yes. Unless you're on a high speed train, in which case it's more Or a regional right.
0: train even. Yeah. Commuter trains are fine in freeways. Yeah. Prove me wrong. So then, it sort of joins the red line and the blue line to run along I eighty uh, four until they hit, you know, just this random street in in Portland. Uh, it's called Holiday Street, which it runs along until it hits the Steel Bridge, which is the place where all the MAX lines pass over the Willamette River in the all north. Of them. All of them.
1: Is that where the Amtrak passes too? Uh,
0: yeah, Amtrak passes just to the north of that. Okay. So you can see it's sort of right there. There's the steel bridge. There's Portland Union. I think I have some footage of that bridge. You, yeah, put it in there if you have it so that we can see it. Uh, and then it terminates on the transit mall. So it doesn't through run with anything. It just stops on the transit mall.
1: Cool. Interesting,
0: yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then we get to the red line, which is kind of the least its own line of any of the lines because the it has one. three stations. From the airport to the gateway transit center where it meets with the green and uh, blue lines, and then it just runs along with the blue line until Beaverton.
2: So it's pretty much just because airport.
0: It's very much like a spur line that through runs onto the western half of the blue line. Mm -hmm. Kind of a branch of the blue line, actually. But why would we do branches when we could have so many colors? Right. And then... (laughs) there is the king of them all the vast majority of portland's transit and kind of the regional connector of the whole thing the blue line which goes Hillsboro, beaverton portland gresham and so on the uh the west side max the part from hillsborough to beaverton transit center is uh like a traditional railway alignment like we have here in salt lake city then it follows the freeway into downtown portland where it runs in its own different transit mall because there are three different transit malls in downtown Portland. And then it gets onto the I-84 alignment with the blue and green lines after crossing the steel bridge. Mm Okay. And then runs in the street into Gresham.
2: Okay.
0: it's a lot of line. There is a lot to it, and it's very long. It serves many people. I like that map. It is nice, right? Except it's the Google Maps. So, you know... (laughs) So, and then there's the streetcar, which has the A loop, the B loop and the C loop. The A loop and the B loop uh kind of follow each other and create sort of a, ro- a loop through downtown Portland and on and through East Portland and to the Lloyd District and all that. And then the C loop, it goes up to North uh Northwest Portland. Nice. Yeah. So, that is the rail transit of Portland. Wow. There is much. Many, many rail, many places. much transit. And what's sort of unique among light rail systems uh, in the United States about Portland's Max is that it kinda goes everywhere.
2: Yeah, that's Whoa. that's quite <laughs> unusual actually. <laughs>
0: that's kind of the goal, isn't like it? Like it's pretty hard to be somewhere in the Portland metropolitan area and not be within except in the south southwest where there was supposed to be a new rail line, but that's been put on hold. Anyway, except in the Southwest, it's kind of hard to be in the Portland metropolitan area and not be within short driving or walking or biking distance of a max line. That's kind of the whole point, isn't it?
2: That is quite an accomplishment. Unique among
0: rail systems in North America.
2: Is that more because of their geography or more of just how aggressively they built out? Yes. Or both?
0: The answer to that is yes. And also the urban growth boundary sort of makes it so that all the development is occurring in proximity to these things. Really? Yeah.
2: Urban growth boundaries and infill development are good things for the growth and development of a metropolitan area? Yeah. Weird, right? Did not see that one coming.
0: Uh, yeah. So pre-pandemic, uh, the MAX attracted about uh, 120,000 riders a day cool. by itself. Nice. Which <laughs> is, you know, almost a UTA. TriMet as a whole did about 350,000, 360,000 riders a day, not including c not including Smart Transit, which is in the south, and not including the streetcar. So probably about 400,000 transit trips daily in Portland pre-pandemic, which is a lot. Those are,
2: those are like, serious those numbers. Those are good numbers. Those are serious numbers.
0: Still only a 12% mode share, but that's a lot better okay, than most places sig- in North that's America. That's
2: significantly better than, like, yeah.
0: For a metropolitan area of its size... Portland,
2: is, Which is growing a new transit system.
0: Portland is unmatched in terms of mode share for both biking and transit. 12%, man. 12% transit mode share.
2: That's and legitimately
0: impressive. 10% carpool mode share, about 15% biking mode share, and 8% walking mode share. So they only had about 56% driving alone mode share in Portland pre-pandemic, which is incredibly impressive for a new transit system. Sounds, yeah.
2: Wow. That is really impressive, and it's only getting better.
0: Yes. So, good things, as we discussed, 44 miles of high-quality light rail with good ridership and relatively fast, except downtown.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's normal.
0: <laughs> yes, oh, and we'll talk about that. So, uh, the other good thing is the FX, also known as the Two Division, and soon to be the Two Division, parenthesis, FX, close parenthesis. Great. The more things we can tackle on is, that name, the better. It is an improved bus service project on the Division Street or on Division Street that brings high-quality stops, high-frequency buses, and good wayfinding to enhance service along one of the busiest transit corridors in the region. How high-frequency? I believe 10 minutes, which is not bad. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. It is not a BRT project, even though the let's let's put it this way. Portland and TriMet applied for the grant to build the FX under BRT. But they're building... But it is not a BRT project, and they don't call it a BRT project. Because that's a bus corridor They call project. it the Transit Improvement Project, the Division Street Transit Improvement Project. And they would probably have continued to call it the two-division, the bus that runs along it, if they didn't get federal funding that requires them to rebrand it once it's a BRT line. Ah, yeah. So, (laughs) very good project, very uh, capital cost, good usage-wise.
2: Taking Uh, an existing bus corridor that's already well-used and well-loved and established.
0: Right, and it's also sort of a relief line for the blue line. Because, um, and we'll talk about this in the problem section, but unlike most American light rail systems, the MAX is constrained by capacity rather than demand. Which is very strange. Which is very strange for an American light rail system, yes.
2: Is this because bridge?
0: We will get into this.
2: Okay. Um, I won't foreshadow too hard.
0: Yeah, and this is somewhat analogous to what they're doing on... um, Second South. On Second South, In the great state of Utah. So the two will continue to run along it. Anyway, yeah. Also funny that both buses are, you know, the two... Yeah. Yeah. Weird, right? I didn't think about that. Mm. We should rebrand our two the two division. <laughs> no, we should not do that. We should re- <laughs> we should
2: officially name Second South Division, division Street, Street so
0: we can have our own Two Division. <laughs> yes. Are we gonna rename Daybreak Parkway Church Daybreak Parkway Church Street so we yes. can have the J Church? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. We just are. just checking.
2: Are we just gonna become Portland?
0: We're just gonna <laughs> name. <laughs> we're gonna try, but
2: instead of r- uh, rivers, we're gonna have urban freeways. <laughs> Oof pain which we
0: already do pain so uh also wow. good thing about transit in portland there is very good bus service in portland proper wow sweet in portland proper i am not going to compliment trimet suburban bus service because it does not deserve compliments fair enough yep yeah <laughs> also i got the point the streetcar which is probably one of like 3 good modern streetcars Wow. And it carries <laughs> Because
2: it's a real streetcar that runs on actual and street. And it
0: goes places. So oh, it, oh it goes places. That'd do it, yeah, it? Yeah, before the pandemic, it carried 15,000 people a day.
1: So it's Dang. Portland Streetcar, the S-Line, and Wells.
0: The S-Line is not one of the good ones. Know, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Kansas City Streetcar and um, the Cincinnati Bell Connector are ones that I would put in the good streetcar category. Cool. Yeah. Kansas City is actually very good, probably better than Portland. But anyway,
2: good being code for useful.
0: Yes. Why the Portland Streetcar is so good and so successful is that it enhances the reach of max downtown and in downtown adjacent areas. It sort of hooks up the max light rail, the regional transit, to all the dense areas, all the densest and most important areas of downtown. And adjacent areas, yes, don't get mad at me, Eastside and Lloyd District, go, don't get mad at me.
2: So you can actually (laughs) feasibly and comfortably use transit to move around downtown and downtown adjacent
0: areas. That is right. Oh, Cries in Utah. Cries in Utah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Even our buses downtown kind of suck. They suck. They suck very bad because they all go on the same road and they go in the same direction as the trains. It's not great. We We could use a a network redesign downtown. Yeah, we pretty much have a commuter (laughs) system feeding into downtown. Yes. What
2: we could use is a streetcar. No. No. (laughs) <laughs> we could
0: not use that. We, we could use as the orange line plan. Okay. We, but anyway, the orange
2: line and then run a A, a circulator service. Yeah.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. You'll have the excess capacity for it at that point. So... Great. Anyway, continuing on, since we're getting into like an hour mark at this point, what sort of impresses me the most about transit and urban planning and urbanism in Portland is that there's kind of always this will to do better by almost everyone involved. Like, the city is actively trying to improve non-car transportation opt-ins. TriMet is a really great agency that seems to really care a lot about its passengers and its people and all those involved. I mean, uh, Metro? Metro is just an incredible, like, that's the regional government. They have all these brilliant plans for the future and what they want to do, and they're actively working on making the suburbs actually do their part in doing transit-oriented development. So there's just, there's a really big will to do good. Which is really cool and really rare. In the U.S. in general.
2: Yeah, that's it's, true.
0: It's very hard to find a city where there seems to be this much agreement between the center city, the suburbs, the regional planners, the transit agency, and the state government. And they all want the same things. <laughs> that's crazy. So we're actually going to get things, or not us, but Portland. Well... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as I've discussed, I kind of want to go there for grad school, but, you know, anyway. So, yes, general will to do better. Very impressive. Now, all of these good things and the praise we can heap on Portland for having extensive and good transit and all this crap, they have some serious challenges that they're facing at the moment. Turns out trains aren't entirely magic, just mostly magic. Yeah. <laughs> Challenge number one, and this is a challenge that everybody has, ridership because of the pandemic. It has tanked, and it is recovering more slowly than other places because of problem number two. TriMet is facing, like, a truly crippling operator shortage. They are literally short 300 bus drivers right now.
1: 300.
0: 300. Holy They cow. run, like, 100 bus routes. So that's a lot. That is a lot of shortage and yeah. it's they're trying to resolve it but that's a big thing. So they've been canceling trips left and right. They've had to slash frequency on a bunch of routes. Uh they're even missing departures and stuff that are still scheduled. It's it's not a good situation. So that
2: might slightly contribute to the lower ridership numbers when the service isn't
0: there. Now, it's still recovering. So how, how did it get that bad? <laughs> a variety of factors. And um, this is that's sort always- of a lot of it is safety for operators at the moment, which is unfortunately an issue in part one, because once again, we do have this issue with unhoused people, and although I will certainly agree with everyone that mental health and uh, drugs are not the cause of homelessness, there is a correlation there, because when you are desperate and living out on the streets, it is very easy to a become mentally ill, or B, develop an addiction to substances. And so a lot of these unhoused people are causing safety issues for TriMet operators, especially bus operators. Which unsurprisingly,
2: not great for hiring.
0: Right, like I am not an operator, but I am essentially an operator in that I have to deal with the public all the time. And I can personally attest to the fact that it is probably less safe to be a transit operator right now than it has been for a long time because people are, A, you know, under a lot of stress from pandemic, from recession, from the war, from this, from that, from everything in between, and because there is a housing crisis, so there are a lot more unhoused people, which compounds that. Like, I am, I guess, I'm allowed to disclose this, I have been assaulted twice on the job, and I have been working at UTA for six months.
1: Not great.
0: Yeah. No. Not good at all. So that is probably the main contributing factor. Also, transit agencies don't pay as well as they should most places, and that's another factor. Although they have resolved that issue in Portland, where starting pay for a bus operator is now twenty six dollars. That's above UTA's like top pay. Uh-huh. Wait, twenty six dollars. Twenty six dollars an hour. An hour. I know. Nice. I know. Like, I'm thinking, like, wow, if I have to drop out of college, I'm moving to Gresham and becoming a bus driver.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Bus driver being a prestigious and well-paying job now. As it should be. I mean, it always has
0: been. Yes. So, yeah. And they do appear to be fixing it because they uh, reportedly have one to two hundred people in training to be bus drivers at the moment. Okay, that's like half. So they're working on it. That's good progress. Yeah. But What are the immediate issues facing the system? Well, those are them. Uh, the pandemic and the operator shortage. Yeah. There, is, there isn't really a big funding issue like there was here because... Sales tax is affected differently than payroll tax. So their revenue has remained relatively constant while ours has decreased. And it's a whole thing. Yeah, that's my bad. I read this as
1: the... And I know you speak French, uh, so I've always immediate issues. <laughs>
0: lay, lay immediate issues. Yeah. yeah. Well, moving on to said less immediate
3: issues. <laughs>
0: yes, so. Um, the steel bridge. The steel bridge. So the steel bridge, all four max lines run over it to get to the east side. And this is causing a capacity issue because the thing with Portland's trains, right? they have really small blocks. They have 212 foot blocks in Portland.
2: So they have to run short trains. So they
0: can only run two car trains, like two S70 trains, and they are permanently linked together as an operating set. So they have
2: to compensate with high frequency.
0: Except all of their trains have to go over the steel bridge, which is very old, very slow, and very constrained by the fact that you have to operate four lines at fifteen to, at ten to fifteen minute frequency over it on an old slow bridge. On an old slow bridge that sometimes it, it's a lift bridge, so sometimes it lifts <laughs> oh, and trains yeah. are yeah. Like if a navy ship needs to go upriver of it, the bridge lifts and it disrupts TriMet operations for hours. I I did not think it was a lift bridge. It is a lift bridge.
1: So we need well we don't, but the lovely people of Portland
0: need a new bridge. They need to work on this. Yeah, so basically the current infrastructure is kind of at capacity and uh, TriMet and Metro are estimating they need to double the number of trains in and out of downtown by 2040 to meet demand for both regional and uh, downtown to suburb trips because they're expecting a doubling in ridership on the max during the next 20 to 30 years because they are being aggressive about not being nice to cars. Good. Um, (laughs) Yes. And The climate. And I mean, even if... Even if the steel bridge, you could, like, you could theoretically cram that many trains over the steel bridge, but it's old. And it's not in immaculate shape because it's over 100 years old. The, the fact it's called the steel bridge it's should tell you bridge. everything you need yeah, to know. Yeah, it's, it's a steel bridge. Honestly, I'm impressed bridge.
2: that they're getting what they're getting out of it after 100 years. Yeah,
0: it, it's quite impressive. It was a good retrofit of existing infrastructure. So, do, do I have a plan for that? Or We will get to that okay. later. Uh, Number two, uh, long-term issue, speed. Max, outside of downtown, fine, speedy. Average is like 30 miles an hour, whatever. It's great. Except on the yellow line, which is a little slow, but it runs in the streets of what you expect. Great. Sounds good. Uh, Downtown, however, the max is just uh, frankly horrific. Um, It averages eight miles an hour. Cries and tracks. Yeah, cries and tracks. (laughs) It is just incredibly slow, which makes it terrible for regional trips. Like, let's say... That for some, who knows what reason, you're sitting at the Portland Expo Center and you need to get to whatever the southern end of the orange line is, congratulations, you're going to spend most of your time sitting in downtown instead of, you know, getting there. Or the blue line, you need to get, for some reason, from Gresham to Hillsboro Instead of being an hour trip or an hour and 10 minute trip like that should be, it's an hour and 40 minutes because you spend a half hour sitting and going two miles an hour through downtown.
2: Great. Oh, wow. Not ideal.
0: Yeah. So that's a big problem. And although it's very good for streetscapes though, which is why it's a thing because Portland's very much all about like that whole complete streets thing. So all their downtown streets are very complete, but that means the trains can't go fast on them. Mm. So there, there is a solution to this as well, which we will also discuss in the future. Long-term issue number four is coverage in outlying areas. As was stated earlier, there is very good bus coverage within Portland itself. In most places, except like, you know, near the red line for some reason. Anyway, uh, but almost all of the outlying suburban municipalities suffer from a severe lack of good bus service. It's just incredible how little bus service there is to feed the blue line in some of the suburbs or the green line, or the orange line, or even the yellow line to an extent.
2: And especially as Portland focuses on doing infill development with their growth boundary, this will become increasingly important.
0: Very, very, very important. Anyway, <laughs> number four is connections to the north. Uh, currently, there is no high capacity transit across the Columbia River. Because meaning, of
2: the thing that didn't get built. Right. that shut
0: uh, And so the 500,000 people that live in Clark County many, 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 many of whom commute to Portland because Portland has an enormous daytime population. Like, it's half the jobs in the region in Portland alone. They're doing, like, a legit
2: center city. That's really cool. They are
0: very much a center city. So, you know, that makes it a lot less appealing if you got to get, like, on a commuter bus and wait in traffic on I-5
3: <laughs> to go into
0: Portland, as opposed to on the Max Yellow Line, which connects to the C-Tran bus rapid transit or whatever. And you see, you see what I'm saying here? Like, there's mm-hmm. that's a real misconnection, and so that also needs to be addressed. Which, fortunately, is going to happen, because we are now into the future, where there are many things going on, because Portland is into continually improving and expanding their transit network. So, there was going to be a new light rail line, which is going to ga- groundbreak, I think, this year, called the Southwest Corridor Light Rail. Filling in the aforementioned gap. In the Southwest Corridor.
2: <laughs> Did not see that going not not,
0: not, to, not to the north, to the southwest, where there is currently the only place where there is no light rail. Okay. Funnily enough. But what <laughs>
2: happened with that one?
0: Uh, well... The ballot measure for it came up for a vote in August of twenty twenty. Oh. When, you know, we were having everybody was... a pandemic and a recession and everybody thought the country was probably gonna die after the next election and so voters were like, hmm million and a half dollars for this. Maybe sit this one out. We're gonna we're gonna hold off on that. So the environmental impact statement is done. As soon as they get the money, they can start building it. Okay. Are uh, they able to run it into is, a ballot measure? No, not for five years. Oh. That's the rule. In their system. So okay. it, it'll come back up in a couple of years and it'll probably pass. But that's on hold for now. But that was gonna be the next sort of big expansion of the max. But there are a lot of improvements going on right now. So the red line uh, improvement project is currently being done so they can uh, take the red line all the way to Hillsborough instead of stopping in Beaverton, which is good, and will increase frequency on that portion of the line significantly. And also their big, big, big plan, With a capital
2: B, a capital I, and a capital G.
0: And a billion dollar or a $4.5 billion price tag is the Max Tunnel which would take the blue and red line off the streets entirely and put them in a subway through downtown Portland.
2: And also under the river.
0: And under the river. Under the river? Yeah, under the river. you're freeing up. So so this actually solves two, the two big issues with Max right now, which is the capacity constraint and the speed constraint. Because suddenly, you've freed up two lines worth of capacity on the steel bridge. Wait, wait. I did not see that coming you freed up two lines worth of capacity on the steel bridge so you can yeah. run everything that's on the steel bridge at higher frequencies and the things that are going through the max tunnel at way higher frequencies because the they're grade tunnel. separated because the blue line would be at that point effectively grade separated from uh, gateway transit to Hillsboro nice. and would be basically a light metro line as the red line would be a light metro line Good. so they're going to you know, be able to run a lot more trains on those lines and also if you're trying to get from Gresham to Hillsboro, it's gonna take an hour and 10 minutes instead of an hour and a half because you're not sitting around downtown for half an hour waiting at stoplights.
2: Brilliant. Wow.
0: So very good project, probably more expensive than it should be, but Obviously. it has to be done either way. Mm-hmm. So build it. And they're actually in the process of getting funding for it right now. Good. So, they're working on any, like it's, it's, it's a near future thing, probably by 2035 it will be done. Sweet. At the latest.
2: For a project this big and expensive, that's not bad.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, so according to TriMed, it allows regional trips to be sped up by at least 20% according to them. Uh, some people have said it may be able to speed up blue line times by 40%. Whoa. Like, big, big improvement. Big, big... Uh, also, um, you would be able to run larger trains on the blue and red lines if you wanted to. Because, because they would no putting longer be in new, big constrained platforms. to the streets, oh. right? And you could... Ah. Expand
1: the platforms in other places. Well, I'm starting to see why this is the mecca of <laughs> It's, it's a big
0: project, this and it's a really good. project. It's sort of unique in its ability to massively improve everything with one single project. And it gets funded. And it's gonna probably get funded. <laughs> and yeah. completed reasonably soon. Yeah, it I gets. know, right? Very much so. Uh, so yeah, big, big, big project. Very exciting. Very important. I had no idea before today. Yeah, so soon you'll be able to take the MAX through the Portland subway, (laughs) which is a very base thing to say, if you ask me. Yeah. So then, also, um, Metro, which is, as we've said, the regional transit agency, uh, has these crazy plans to basically, like, bring light rail everywhere in the metro area. Wait, we're not done yet? No. (laughs) Like, once the Southwest Corridor is done... Then they have a project to, like, do a circular line out in the western suburbs and then in the eastern suburbs. And then there needs to be a relief line for the blue and red lines running through Gresham because that's going to be over capacity in 20 years. So we're going to build another light rail line along, like, a couple streets over from Division. And then we're going to build a couple different ones. Oh, and then we're going to get that one to Clark County, except even bigger than we were planning it before because, you know, Clark County's grown since then. So, Yeah. They have a lot of plans. Um, you should see their map.
2: To basically I, make like a metro type system out basically of Basically
0: like, yeah, metro level coverage on a light rail system. Wow. Which is, yeah, all right, I'll take it.
2: Yeah, I'll uh, take it for sure. I'll or, take it any day.
0: Yeah, more immediate near future project is that the streetcar, uh, the C loop is getting extended into the Northwest Industrial District which is getting redeveloped because there's not that much like good industry there anymore. Ah, so yeah. it's going to be people instead of industry. Amazing. Right. Yeah, America do be like that.
2: Redevelopment, good.
0: Yeah, so that that'll be like a 1.2 something mile thing it's going to be real soon. Oh, cool. That that's going to break ground. So that's Sweet. good. Um, any other things? Oh, yes so there's more (laughs) one more thing and this is sort of the biggest thing at the moment so as we've mentioned there's a lot of opposition to this project they're doing to replace the i-5 bridge across the Columbia river because it would expand the lanes Mm -hmm. so the lane expansion is going to happen rude thank you odot and wisdot which is washington and oregon's department of transportation however advocates managed to wrangle two good things out of this number one there will be a bike path with connections to all the islands, bad connections, still connections to all the islands and stuff and places in between. That's good. So that's good. And number 2, what do you think that the that the state has forced uh, ODOT to put onto the bridge? Bus lanes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Trees. Mm. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Keep guessing. You'll find it eventually. Brick buildings? <laughs> Light rail tracks. What? Yes. That did not, uh, in fact, occur to me. They are being forced to leave space for light rail. <laughs> like, and specifically build a portion of the bridge so well, that it can be true. easily converted to light rail in the future. Good, 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 good. Good. Very good. good. good, good. Very good. So all of the problems that we were discussing are being addressed. How? Now? How? <laughs> I don't know. They are working on all of them. C- could you... Uh, Could you
2: imagine
1: if every single one of our problems here... Was being addressed? Had already had a solution (laughs) made.
2: You're
0: funny. You're funny. As opposed to
2: being kicked down the road till 2040 or 2050 or
0: whatever. You're a funny man. Yeah. You're a funny man. But yes, so Portland, future, incredibly bright as far as transit goes. And, you know, current, also pretty heckin' cool. Jeez, I had no idea. Portland transit? Go burr. Portland metro area growth? Go burr. Portland, Portland tax base
2: go burr. Yes, urban very much.
0: Growth boundary go burr. Does not go well, anywhere. Well, Goes it's
2: a little.
0: It's <laughs> like a machine gun on the edge of town. It just mows down suburban housing instead of people. Like <laughs> <dzz>. <laughs> ah, there's a single family home. For the
2: U.S. military. When the U.S. military, the an US military
0: does an urban growth boundary. <laughs> yeah. Um, But that is the history, past, present and future of transit in Portland. I personally have been wanting to do this episode for a very long time. Reasonable. As Kyle and Alex can probably attest, because I have a slight fascination with the Max in particular. I don't blame you in the slightest. Because it's very cool.
1: That that episode left me a lot more satisfied than the UTA history. I know, right? Like,
0: there's... (laughs) There's so much going on and it's all probably actually going to happen. I know, right? Which is cool.
2: Actual progress feels weird. Actual things actually changing in the physical world? is yes. such a concept.
0: Yes. Yeah, what an interesting idea. Oh, also another thing. Uh, there is a proposal to run some express service on the blue line. That That's, that's a far future thing though. So anyway, that's ignore that. that. <laughs> it would, right. The red line would run local service on the west side section uh. and the blue line would run express. There you go. That's cool that they're even
2: thinking about
0: that. Well, because there's space for quad track. But yes, uh, thank you very much for listening to. If I'm looking at the clock correctly, what is probably going to be our longest episode ever. Yeah, that's right. I would uh, agree. About that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you like this episode, please do like and subscribe on YouTube. Give us a follow and a rating on iTunes and Spotify. And do consider becoming a patron because we are actually posting Patreon content now. Wow. And being good at our jobs. And you can help us decide things and stuff. Yes, you can. We will Patrons, there will be a couple polls and posts coming out for you guys because there's a couple of things we want to go over with y'all in the near future. But... Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to all of our... Crap, I forgot to pull up the Patreon page earlier so I can read off the patrons.
2: While, Con- while Connor does that, uh, move to Portland. Uh, if, if you, you have, can afford it. If you have money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they
0: still do have housing affordability issues, rather regrettably.
2: Well, while Connor pulls that up, go ahead and become a housing developer in Portland.
0: Yeah, I actually do that because they have very much liberalized zoning. So good. good. All right. So thank you to all of our patrons Mike Christensen, the OG, Curtis Herring, director of the Utah Transit Riders Union, Phobos2390. I don't know who you are, but thank you very much. Those are our frontrunner tier patrons. Uh, our red line tier patrons are Brian Smith and Jacob Whitecotton. And our blue line tier patrons are Ben Busaf, DJ Will Watkins, Hi Will, and Ethan McDonald.
2: Have a nice day. The library closes in 4 minutes. You better All right, get let's out of get here. out of here.
0: <laughs> Bye.